Mr. Clinton, what is your opinion of Eli the computer guy? Meow. Today is Friday, November 13th, 2020, time for episode 128 of the Barnhart Podcast. Today is the Feast of St. Josephat, and like a lot of other things on this podcast, I wasn't quite prepared because I, <laughs> I expected to have an hour to get ready for the podcast and ended up doing HOA business instead. So Anne, tell us about St. Josephat. Um, he is one of the people that came the closest to actually bringing the Eastern Orthodox schismatics back in. Uh, he, he got really close. And then, of course, they, they slaughtered him for the attempt. But he was, you know, what do you call it? Ukrainian, Ruthenian, that whole geographical area. Even those people don't even know what you know, ethnicity or nationality they are to a large extent. But you know what I'm talking about, that area over there around Poland, Prussia, Ukraine, all in there. He was he was one of those. He was an Eastie. And I think I want to say that his body, that his relics are in St. Peter's Basilica, I want to say. So yeah. He's um he's timely for Obviously, what we're going through now, since, as we've discussed previously, so many people, sadly, are being um, hoodwinked, pushed, convinced, tricked into thinking that maybe they need to be going to the Eastern Orthodox schismatics, um, obviously, to get to get away from the papacy qua papacy, because trad ink partisans have been beating this drum that the papacy is awful. We've been wrong about the papacy, blah, blah, blah. And so now everybody's saying, well, let's get the hell away from, from the papacy in and of itself. And people are looking to the Eastern Orthodox because yes, admittedly, they have some absolutely gorgeous liturgy and they have some absolutely gorgeous chant and it's all very enticing, but you know, they also do things like you can have three marriages and, um, um, you don't have to confess your sins because your sins are forgiven as you approach, as you approach the lamb to receive, Oh, all your sins are forgiven. You don't have to confess anything. And, um, what else they have contraception and they're, they're a train wreck. I mean, of course they're a train wreck. They're schismatics. Um, they're also, it, it even goes back further than just um, schism in terms of the papacy, which, you know, that's kind of really the only sort of, uh, definitionally, that's kind of the only type of, of schism that there is, because the schism is the rejection of Peter, the Petrine primacy, et cetera, et cetera. But with the, with the Easterners, the, the train wreck goes back even way before that, because they're the ones who have who have were unsound and continue to be unsound about the Trinity itself, and this whole debate about whether or not the Holy Ghost proceeds from the Father and the Son. They say they're wrong. They say that the the Son and the Holy Ghost individually and separately proceed only from the Father, which is just obviously, obviously wrong if you sit down and just think about it for more than seven seconds. Um, but they're absolutely intransigent in this. And that's what the filioque and all of that is about, um, the father and the son. Of course, the Holy Ghost proceeds from the father and the son, because the Holy Ghost is, 
is the um, is the manifestation of the intercourse of love between the father and the son, between the first, second, and the second person, the first person and the second person of the triune Godhead. To say that the Holy Ghost only proceeds from the Father makes no sense. Um, it, it's the Holy Ghost is is like the, it's the image marriage and he, and you know human marriage is the um, is the image that we can all kind of relate to best of the Trinity. You have person number one, you have person number two, they have an intercourse of love. And yes, I use the word intercourse very, very consciously, um, intercourse of love that yields a third. Why in the world would you then say that that the first person of the triune Godhead um, uh, has has another person proceeding forth from them without the intercourse of love. That's the entire point is that God is relational. That's why he's triune. He has to be relational. So Easterners have been unsound on things for a long, long time, but St. Josephat was totally sound, totally Catholic, totally Byzantine, and almost got it done. It's almost happened a couple of times. There's almost been reunification a couple of times, but of course then Satan thwarts it and um, St. Josephat was martyred. He was murdered and for his efforts. And now he's a saint in heaven and we should be looking to the, the great Eastern Byzantine saints because, I mean, they know the stakes and all of this far more far more than we do and they have the sympathy and they have the understanding of the tragedy of what's happening of people in in the the Roman rite in the western church not just going byzantine i mean that's that that's a whole nother conversation about whether or not um people should should just switch their ethnic um their ethnic rights, so to speak, you know, um, and we've talked about this, that it's big, big red flags go up when people start doing that. Um, you know, gay, gay guy gets thrown out of the traditional Roman rite parish and then runs off to the Byzantines. I mean, this is, this has happened more than once. This is a, this is a real thing and it's a big red flag. But having said that, I mean, you know, yeah, you can go to divine liturgy. We, we as Western, you know, Roman Rite Catholics, of course, we can go to divine liturgy and we should love it and appreciate it. And it's very, very beautiful. The problem and what St. Josephat is, is mourning as much as we are and all the more is people who are going into the schismatic Eastern Byzantine um, churches, people who are going that route. And it it is 100% going into schism. The, the whole premise of the whole thing is that they reject the papacy qua papacy. And they have this Caesaropapism and they're, they're attached to the state. I mean, could, could there be a more obvious problem here when, when you're literally operating on the assumption that Vladimir Putin is the head of your church because he's the Caesar in your country. Um, it's, and it's the same damn thing. The, the Queen Elizabeth II parades around and calls herself the, um, the, the head of the Anglican church. She's basically. Yeah, I was, I was, you beat me to it. And I was yeah. going to say that is it's, it's not just the Eastern Orthodox who, who proclaim that they're 
temporal monarch or leader or um, prime minister or first among equals is the head of their church, but it's also, it's in England. I'm sure it's in other places as well. I'm just not as well versed with our separated brethren. Um, I'm, I'm more used to the Catholic Church. But even then, it's getting to the point where you look at uh, the the Catholic Church at this point in time. It's almost like the the person who calls himself Pope is is bending to the the um, the head of the EU. He's 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 all in favor of built back better, greener uh, pastures and, and green new deal and all this other stuff. And we have this fake new Catholic. Well, let's get to that later. But uh. yeah, the the idea of of, um, uh, of having Saint Joseph at patron of reuniting the church authentically uh, yeah. with with our separated brethren in the East. We also need to deal with our separated brethren in the West, but uh, yes, definitely we need to um, we need to build back better in the church, bring back our Eastern brethren, and bring back the Western brethren as well, and 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 have a, a full renewal in that respect as well. And I got an email that from somebody in this last week. It's kind of related to this uh, in in a sense, just the whole idea of the fracturing church. Um, Dear Ann and Super Nerd, how do we find an underground church? How does a family prepare to go underground? Um, you're, how do you prepare to do something in advance when everything's going to hit the fan and we have no idea who to trust? That's a good question. You need to develop those relationships now and you need to figure yeah. out who you can trust now, figure out alternative ways of communicating. I mean, we, we, Ann and I record using a, a, a software program called Wire, which is encrypted end-to-end communication. We also have communicated via signal. That's encrypted end-to-end communication. Those are good candidates to find out, you know, for example, you know, first off, make contact with people. First thing, uh-huh. if you don't know who to talk to, there's no way you can talk to people who could possibly be helpful in the underground when you go forward. More likely than not, it's the tr- tr- traditional Catholics who are doing the old Latin mass who are going to be the ones on whom you can trust and rely. And uh, hopefully they're doing some kind of communication that can be secure i mean i suspect that wire and signal and these encrypted end-to-end communication programs are going to be compromised at some point so you can't completely rely on them but i'm a paranoid individual and maybe i'm wrong and i hope i am but if that's all you've got and that's the only way to communicate with people communicate in the open if you have to i mean ultimately when when it comes down to the regime or the antichrist uh, who's driving everybody underground, who's going to kill every Catholic they can find, they're going to go for the highest priority subjects first. That's going to be the priests. Uh-huh. So the likelihood is that you're going to be communicating directly with the priests probably will be nil. You're going to be, have to communicate with their assistants and the people who are in the first or second ring around them who can contact them. The point is, talk to the people at your Latin Mass, Latin mass parishes find out who you can talk to point blank talk to the parish secretary or whatever and say hey if we have to go underground how do we communicate is the email list really the best way to do it is there some other way to communicate are you an amateur radio operator not the best thing really because that's completely open and encrypted but it's a last resort fallback kind of thing um you've you've got to build those human relationships in terms of and how do you, how do you communicate with somebody when when everything goes underground? You've got to have those pre-existing relationships. Your relationships, because if you don't have that in advance, there's no way you're going to be trusted afterwards. Yeah, and I think there's there's maybe a couple of 
criteria questions, one especially that you can ask that's going to tell you a lot about a given priest's disposition and how he is probably going to react to things as they continue to go forward and melt down. The first is asking him about Corona scam. And if he's fully on board with Corona scam and all of the propaganda and the masking and all of that, and he he's bought into all of this, I think it's pretty safe to say that this guy is probably not going to be sound when it, when, I mean, the shit has already hit the fan, but I mean, as things, as things continue, yes, (laughs) the, the poo has already hit the rapidly spinning rotor. Um, so as um, as we go forward, if, you, if you've got a priest, even if he's a trad priest, and there's quite a lot of them who are fully on board with the corona scam, I think that's a fairly good indicator right there that this guy is not probably going to be the rock of Gibraltar as we move forward. Um, obviously people are waiting for me to say the second one. And actually I'm probably going to, I don't know, I might be surprising people, a lot of people here, but I would, I am not going to say that a priest's, um, subscription to whether or not Bergoglio is the vicar of Christ should necessarily, even now, even now yet be, be disqualifying. I'm, I'm, Guys, I'm not saying that. I'm not going to say that at all. Um, I think we're still very, very, very much on the road here. And there's there's a lot of priests who, in in complete privacy and behind closed doors and where all the cell phones are at least 50 feet away and turned off and everything, they'll, they'll talk openly and say, I have extremely serious doubts about all this, but they won't say anything publicly. And of course they're commemorating him at the Teijitter. There are quite a few who are completely on the whole, well, of course he is. How could you say such a thing? You know, they're, they're kind of falling for the, for the propaganda, but I'm not, I'm not going to get on this podcast and say, oh my gosh, guys, if there's a priest and he's not 100% Benedictus Pope, you know, he's, he's, he's no good. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not, even I, even I am not saying that because I know too many who are good priests who are still commemorating Francis at the Teijitter and are, and just are not willing to, to take that step yet. So don't, you know, put, you know, file it away. I mean, if you file it away, what a given priest thinks about who the vicar of Christ is, but I would say the criterion that is far more telling about how a priest is gonna is going to um, uh, operate and behave in terms of when we all have to go underground. The bigger question is: Does he believe in Corona scam or not? I think that's the big one. So, and, and don't rule out Father Jazz Hands at your local parish. Um, even though he Wait, may not, have, well, <laughs> no. And, and what I say, what I say about this is, is that when when it comes down to it, when you when you need to have the the sacraments, if it's a validly ordinated priest who had valid baptism, and I realize in, in, with recent news that could actually be a valid question. Oh but, sure. But it, but if if it's a valid priest, he can he can forgive your sins, even oh, if yeah. you tell him, Father, it makes me feel better if you use the following formula, and he does it. You know. Priests who have, well, priests who are priests, 
they have the ability to forgive your sins. Yes. Whether or not you go to them for mass is a different question. Yeah, you have to be, you know, wise as serpents in that regard. But when it comes, when, when everything hits the fan, you've got to know what your what your resources are around you. In the same case that uh, if, if the Antifa mobs marched on your area of town right now, what are your exit routes? What are what are your defensive postures if you needed to hunker down? What where would you establish an Overwatch position to I don't know have to lay down fire, cover fire for, for you know the the militia in your neighborhood or something like that? Be aware of these things in advance. Uh-huh. Because if you're asking for the first time when everything hits the fan, it's probably yep. too late. So it, it is a good question to ask right now. How do you how will you contact your underground church? Well. The underground church is the church. It's the church yeah. who doesn't lose the faith. That's now, right. Father Father Jazz Hands might lose the faith and go along with everything, but he doesn't lose the character of the priesthood. Yep. So he still can forgive your sins. Yes. If you can That's find a great them. point. There's a lot of people that are that will say things that are so wrong, like, I would never even even if I were laying dying dying, bleeding out on, on the street, I would never, um, receive absolution from, from a fake Novasaur. Okay. That is stupid. And I'm all about cutting to the chase and cutting out the middleman. And let's just take this to the rhetorical extreme right now so that everybody understands exactly what I'm saying. Father James Martin. I mean, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be my first choice, but if that's the only choice I had, how about Teddy McCarrick? If that's the only choice I had, yeah. Yep. He could. He's laicized. He is maybe, probably a Satanist. He's absolutely a sodomitical predator. Um, He should have been executed. He should be executed. If you were to be um, attacked in this oncoming civil war, you are mortally wounded. You're laying on the street. You're bleeding out into your abdominal cavity. And Teddy McCarrick walks past you, you say, Father, give me absolution. And if you don't, you're an idiot. And well, if that you, assumes you can recognize who he is. And honestly, yeah, I couldn't. exactly, exactly. It's a rhetorical construct. Exactly. But, and it's also a testament to, do you or do you not believe in the sacraments? Do you believe in the sacrament of holy orders in ordination. Do you believe that priests are anointed? Do you or do you not? If you do, then what that means, and this is what the church teaches, even though these guys are laicized, they never, ever, ever lose that mark. And they can, and they are told, you may absolve sins in danger of death even as a layman. So Ted McCarrick could absolve, could give someone absolution in danger of death. Father Thomas Williams could um, give someone absolution. Father Jonathan Morris could give somebody absolution. Uh, Father Jeremy Leatherby, just go on down the line, go, go down the line of all of these monsters, any of them who are, who are validly ordained, and of course, now the the SSP two and a halfers, they're going to jump up and down, scream. They aren't validly ordained. They aren't validly ordained. Well, sorry, you're wrong. Yes, they are. Like it or not, they absolutely are. Um, if if you're in danger of death, then yes, even Father Jazz Hands, even Father Jazz Hands, even any of them, they can give you absolution. Don't be a dum dum. 
in danger of death. I'm not saying, and, and by the way, you can't just go casually and approach some, um, some laicized priest and say, Father, would you hear my confession? No, 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 no. He can't do that. The only circumstance in which he can give absolution is if you are in immediate danger of death. Yes, the principle is ecclesia supplet. Yes. The, the church supplies jurisdiction in extremis because the highest law of the church is the salvation, salvation of souls. Of souls. Yeah. And if the only thing standing between you saving your soul is Teddy McCarrick giving you absolution or not, the church will give him uh, will give him jurisdiction in that or give him give him um, yeah, given jurisdiction. Well, mm-hmm. and w- whether it's your your uncle or second cousin who was laicized in the sixties or seventies and got married and has four kids or something like that, he's still a priest forever. Yep. He has that mark on his soul. And if you're at your family picnic and you have a cardiac arrest and you're about to blink out and you say, "Father, I know you haven't practiced in a long time, but give me absolution right now. I'm dying." Mm-hmm. He can do it. Yep. And if, if you just stop and think about it, and if you have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, do you honestly think that you, at the moment of your death, that our Lord would, would withhold his sacramental mercy from you because, because of what Ted McCarrick does or what Father James Martin does or what any of these people do? Of course not. Of course he wouldn't. That would just be, that would be absolutely monstrous it makes it makes no sense if you have any sort of loving relationship with our lord at all that he's going to hold you responsible for ted mccarrick being this that and the other the other thing to consider is let's say hypothetically you are you fall in war and are bleeding out on the street and ted mccarrick walks by and you get absolution from ted mccarrick do you think that it is possible in the massive, um, in the massive infinite set that is the divine providence and the unsearchable, unsearchable nature of God and his thoughts and his wisdom, that maybe the entire reason why Ted McCarrick was ever ordained in the first place was so he could give you absolution right there on the street. And don't scoff at that because that's how much our Lord loves you. It is conceivably possible. And that's one of the things that I am very, very much looking forward to with the general judgment is all of these incredible connections and corollaries and chains of events within the entire, within the entirety of history, within the entire infinite set of the divine providence, all of that's going to be revealed. And we're going to be able to look back and see, for example, um, our entire family tree. You're going to be able to look back at your entire family tree, which is millions and millions of people by now. Because, you know, it's a squaring function. Every, Every generation you go back, the number, it squares. And so you're related to millions and millions and millions of people. You're going to be able to see all of these absolutely incredible connections and series of events that had to happen in order for you to exist. And then you'll realize that you also are a link in that chain. And there, uh, unless, unless this is the big show and this is the end, there are going to be generations and generations hence from you. And you're a link in that. And all this stuff that is happening in your life 
is setting up future things in the divine providence, the existence of future human beings. Oh, that's, that's in and of itself is an, is an infinite amount of, <laughs> for lack of a better word, entertainment for all of us to, to learn about and see and appreciate and, and see just how much God loves all of us, loves the entire world. I mean, as if the cross isn't proof set enough, just to have that data set exposed and all those connections. That's why we're all going to just spend all of eternity, even though we're outside of time, but you know what I mean. We're going to spend all of eternity with the angels saying, holy, 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 just praising God endlessly because we're going to see all this and understand all of it. You, we can't right now. And that's that's kind of the trick. That's one of the tricks of faith. Well, you talk you talk about the infinities of mercy. Uh, it goes back to one of the one of the examples in the I think it's in the Acts of the Apostles, and certainly in the Scriptures. I'm thinking this. I think it is. You're the Protestant. You tell or the former Protestant. You tell me. Okay. Um, <laughs> When when when, when Peter when Peter was when Peter was leaving Rome and he was fleeing for his life and Christ appeared to him and the whole quo vadis where are you going, and 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 uh, Christ told him I go to be crucified again because of yes. your faithlessness. Every single one of us, Christ would do this again, and you say, well, that's hyperbole. No, no. God loves you infinitely, uh-huh. infinitely. One of the meditations I've had from time to time is imagine that Adam and Eve didn't fall. Imagine that I was the first jerk who who fell, fault, fell, who sinned. And Christ came to redeem me and my lost seed. And I had to be the one for my own sanctification to drive the nails into Christ's hands and, 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 and scourge him and pierce his side. Understanding what that meant for my own salvation. And the fact that Christ wants me to do that because that's how much he loves me. He's going to give every ounce of his blood for me, uh-huh. even if nobody else in history had fallen. Yeah, they're all going to look at me like jerks and they'll, they'll honestly, that would be appropriate. They didn't fall. But Christ yeah. would still be crucified and would willingly give himself up to be crucified for me. Well, and, and for you and for, and for everybody, if for you're listening everyone. to this podcast, Christ would be willing to give himself out to be crucified again for you so mm-hmm. that you save your soul. Individually, personally, and the we say this a lot here on the podcast, but one of the reasons why we go to mass and we don't do the, oh, it's so long and boring. And well, the bishop said I don't have to go, so I don't have to go. The reason you go to mass is because he he would go through his entire passion, crucifixion, and death for you as many times in your life as you go to mass. And if and really the mass is Calvary. That's exactly what it is. And that's why you go. That's you don't oh, it's so dumb. It's, it's so boring. It's so long. And, oh, I don't want to go. And ugh. No, we've been saying this on this podcast for years. That's why you go. Because if he would do that for you, the least you can do is show up as much as you can, as much as you can. And that's why this all this Corona scam is such a direct attack on that. 
Um, because it's got, it's got even trad Catholics. I mean, there are prominent trad Catholics who I've been told haven't been to mass, not one time since March, early March. And you're just like, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Well, I don't have to go. The Bishop says we don't have to go. So we don't have to go. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. And yeah. In infinite means infinite, folks. And um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but one of the things, as as you're perusing the internet and you and you get onto YouTube, there's all kinds of mathematical videos that are being made now that are you know math for math for dummies, math for laymen, and there's a tremendous amount um, on number theory and getting into absolutely mind blowing, mind blowing stuff about infinity and, um, you know, prime number theory. And there's an infinite number of prime numbers that do not contain the digit seven. And I mean, you, you stop and sit in stillness with things like that. And it's, it's weird, but it brings you, it brings you in a sense closer to the infinite triune Godhead when you stop and think about just how absolutely enormous mathematics numbers these abstract concepts are but but they're they're contained in him all mathematics is is contained in him and you know there's a really interesting um connection here to current events and what's going on with you know the trump slide and you know they're trying to steal the election and everything one of the things that they're looking at are these um statistical markers. Um, and it's basically number theory and statistical theory that's proving that all of these results are just completely bogus. There's one, I can't remember the name of the name of the concept. Um, it's going around. It's very prominent right now. It starts with a B. I'll try to find it. Um, that when you have a distribution of numbers, the first digit of a randomized set of numbers is going to the the most numbers will begin with the numeral one. And then, and then the second most uh, uh, numerous set will begin with the numeral two and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all of these results, um, these fake results from, from Biden and the election and everything, it's completely violating this law. And this law, what it is, and there's many, 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 many mathematical laws like this that we've discovered, and there's probably an, an infinity more that we haven't discovered, that um, it's basically the thumbprint of God. Mathematics is, to a large extent, the thumbprint of God, where he's kind of, you know, <laughs> not lurking, that's not the right word, but he's there, he's created all this, and we discover it and it's like he's right there winking at us and saying, hey, how you doing? I've been here the whole time. The Mandelbrot set, um, you know, all of the various and sundry um, constants like E and, and all of these things, um, E to the I pi minus one equals zero. I mean, the five great constants of mathematics line up into an absolutely perfect equation, e to the i pi minus one equals zero. It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's the thumbprint of God. And so it's, it's all there for the taking if you'll just take the time to look. And even in the context of this um, trying to steal the election, 
um, th- there's mathematical realities popping up where it's God sitting there winking and waving at all of us. It's, it's actually pretty edifying. Well, I mean, mathematics is one of the few, I guess, human sciences where we can look at it and see infinity staring us in the face. And I don't know how many other, I mean, I guess technically you can look at computer science and you can say one go to 10, 10 go to one, and this can go on forever. Um, yes, but that's slightly different than saying that you have a mathematical formula that says you can never reach zero or you can never, the, the intersecting slope can never actually reach the point, you're, uh-huh. the number you're getting to. And e to pi minus one equals zero. I've never heard that before. You are far more of a numbers geek than I am. I, I did computer science. I didn't do mathematics. And you know, there's four people laughing at this. I think that's called Euler's theorem. I think that's Euler's theorem. Yeah. Euler's, Euler's. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But I do know that for programmers, there is there is the Euler or Euler's um, um, algorithms to practice. They call it kata in the same sense that if you're into uh, martial arts, there's a certain series of movements you make called kata just to keep you practiced for how to do things. And there's a certain uh, set of algorithms you do just to keep fresh on how to write computer code. And if you're proficient in one language, you do that same uh, Euler's or Euler's um, algorithm in another language to be able to learn the other languages. But the, but the point is that, that yes, mathematics is um, not my area of expertise. I, I deal with it to the degree that I need to, and that usually means Googling when I have to get something really <laughs> complex and then um, writing a unit test to make sure I've got that correct. Um, but, but yeah, in, in terms of being able to look at something and, and say, how do you not see the infinite here? And yeah. how can you say that all that, w- all that there is exists in the physical world and that yet you understand math and you understand mathematical concepts, which are not material. How many, how many atheists are atheists because they say that there is nothing that I can't see that can't be quantified in the physical sense, but yet they have no problem <laughs> And it's with all abstract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, two. Okay, we we all know the numeral two. That is a completely abstract concept because there is only one of everything in the universe. Who say, well, no, Anne. There's there's many many atoms, but there's only one of each atom. You see what I'm saying? I had this explained to me by a mathematician while sitting in an international house of pancakes, and he picked up the the syrup, the carafe of maple syrup, and he said, there's only one of this. There's only this one. There are others, and we have an abstract concept saying, okay, if I grab another uh, another um, carafe of maple syrup and set both of them down on the table, there's an abstract concept that there are two of them sitting on the table, but the two is completely abstract. The only thing that exists is the one of each and everything all the way down to we don't even know, you know, subatomic particles. There's only one of each electron in the universe. There's only one of each quark in the universe or whatever it is, as far down as you want to go. And it's it's turtles all the way down, baby. Um, there's only one. Everything above and beyond that is completely abstract. So you just stop and think about that and you're like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, mathematics is 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 basically a ginormous faith construct, essentially. And we haven't even gotten to the election yet directly. 
So mm. yeah, in ter- in terms of you know there there is only one scam. It just it's been perpetrated many okay. times over. Yes, that's well said. Good segue. <laughs> Uh, so unlike, uh, well, you certainly would remember uh, 2000, where this this dude named mm. Albert, Albert Gore, you know, the inventor of the internet and all, yes. uh, he, mm. he was running for president. He was uh, Bill Bill Clinton's vice president, and uh, he was running for president against um, George H. W. Spymaster Sons was running for president, and and uh, there there was a question of you know who exactly did Florida elect. And setting aside the whole infamy of the butterfly ballot, which, by the way, is a beautiful ballot. It's so easy to count those darn punch cards afterwards. You know, if people can't figure it out, maybe they shouldn't be voting. But um, so that that election ended up going to the Supreme Court. And the, the question there was how the count in the in Florida should be happening. Uh, Team Gore wanted to do recounts in four or five different counties where he thought he had a numerical advantage as opposed to the whole state. Bush said, nope, if you're going to do recounts under the 14th Amendment and equal representation, you have to uh-huh. recount the whole state. And the uh, the Supreme Court said, yeah, Bush is right here on this one. You, you can't just cherry pick this. So uh-huh. fi- finally, they, they settled that. And and um, uh, Gore, Gore not succeeded. He... Um, acquiesced what's the right uh-huh. term for that G- give a concession speech and so that was the end of that and then bush became president and then 9-11 happened then nobody remembers anything after that yeah. now at the moment we had an election a couple of weeks ago 10 days ago and technically it's still up to debate who won the media who is the fourth branch of government you know check your constitution the media is the we have we have the legislative branch that's the that's the house and congress we have the judicial branch that's the courts we have the executive branch was the president and all the rest and then we have the deciding branch which is the media so they decide for us what what everything is the media has decided that that uh, gore or not gore that um might as well be gore that would actually be better at this point that would be better yeah yeah. Um, so Biden, Biden has won, which really means Harris has won the presidency, and and um, they they are saying that that uh, Biden is president elect, except that he's not, because not a single state has actually certified their their uh, electoral or their or their vote yet, yep. and so the electors have not been set. And in the six disputed states, there are many, many, many lawsuits going on right now. Some of them have actually been won already in Pennsylvania, and others have been refused at the state level in, in Minnesota and Wisconsin, and that's going to be escalated to the Supreme Court. It's going to be a while. Um, yeah. In terms of dates to recognize, December 8th, good date to keep in mind, the Empress uh-huh. of North America, that is the safe harbor date. And what that means is that for all the states who certify their ballots, by September 8th, and you can't certify them if there's a legal challenge still going, but all the states who certify their ballots by December 8th, Congress cannot challenge the legitimacy of the electors. And this was something that was, I forget, 1888, 1887, something like that. There was a challenged election, and right up to the day that the electors were going to cast their votes, votes, Congress was questioning which of the two slates of electors from some of the states should be recognized and ended up going to Congress and they elected the presidency and then they elected the president and vice president. And they also agreed, okay, we need to pass a law about how we do this. And so uh, since 1888, they established something called the safe Harbor date, which is basically six days before the electoral vote takes place. And the electoral vote, because we love the way constitution words these things it's the monday following the second wednesday in december so six days prior to that is what's called the safe harbor date this year it's december 8th 
as long as the states can certify their, their vote by that date, Congress shall not challenge the legitimacy of them. If they don't do it until the 9th or up to the 14th, Congress definitely can and probably will challenge it. And that's where it gets fun. So wow. in terms of you know who won the presidency, it looks like Harris probably won at this point. I disagree. I think well, it's a, I think I think it's an absolute Trump slide. And I, that's why I said this on I can't remember which episode it was at 125, whatever the last one was that you and I did before the the election. Um, I said it's it's going to be a Trump slide. The only question is, do they do they steal it? Do the do the Dems steal it or not? And I think it's playing out. It's playing out exactly as I figured that it would. That. Trump did. I mean, it was obvious from um, the turnout at the rallies and and all of that kind of stuff. Biden was showing up. Biden and Harris would show up places together and there would be less than than 20 people there. The only people that would be there would be the campaign workers. Nobody else would come. Um, The notion, look at um, all of the down ticket stuff. Republicans picked up House seats. I mean, everything picked up, picked up state legislatures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The notion that all of these people voted Republican down ticket, but then voted for Biden. Ah, boy, really, really not buying that at all. So I, I disagree. I, I think it was, I think not only did Trump win, I think he won handily. And that's why they started, that's why they panicked and, and did the little maneuver of we're going to stop counting votes on the evening of the fourth, which is madness and insanity um, because they saw which way it was going. And they said, man, we, we've got to get, we've got to get these fake ballots in here and why it's so sloppy. Um, I think that, you know, they're the other side, they're, they're evil and malicious, a lot of them. And they're also dumb, kind of like Bergoglio, you know, evil and malicious, but also dumb. And also like Stalin, Stalin was an idiot. A lot, a lot of these people that end up at the upper echelons of power in a crumbling society and paradigm are just dumber than a box of hair. So yeah, I think a lot of these people are dumb and they... I don't know if they had some sort of false optimism or, or what it was, but on the evening of the 4th, they realized what was going on, which it seems to me was kind of obvious, just given the enthusiasm and the turnout and the fact that people aren't terribly, I still think that the vast majority of people are not terribly excited about living under um, totalitarian lockdown for the rest of their lives, which is basically what um, the left wants to do. It's ne- the Corona scam is never, ever, ever going to end. Um, well, until it, it will, but Corona ni- or COVID-19 will be replaced by COVID-21. Ex- well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and exactly. we know that's about, um, somewhere between Valentine's day and president's day next year. Well, I mean, it's, they're, they're gaming the seasonal, um, nature of colds of colds and flus. And we've already established and everybody's coming out of the woodwork. Now I, I, got a really good article that I need to put on the blog, Um, a doctor in the NHS, in the National Health Service in the UK, wrote, of course, under a a nom de guerre, wrote a long piece outlining how the whole thing's bull. He's been, that he was explicitly told to not treat 
anyone for anything who was over the age of 70. It was, it's a pure culling operation for the elderly. He just lays out everything. He says, every single person who dies, if they so much as, as have coughed within the last year, it's called COVID-19. This is all garbage. It's, this is ridiculous. Masks are insane. They're filthy. They're dangerous. He just lays out the whole thing, but because he's an Englishman and he subscribes to the National Health Service religion still, apparently, he just never quite comes to the point where he says, I mean, the guy's even citing event 201. He's, he's aware of event 201 and all of this. And he just never makes that final connection, that final declaration that this is all a premeditated scam. And yeah, it's, it's never going to end. Don't wait a minute, man, we just, we just leap from, from topic to topic with, with such facility. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, the, the mathematical uh, the infinity and the fact that the scams will never end. Well, here's here's a point that I want to make, and I'm going to write this up too. But I'll it's this is worth this is a concept that's worth going over both in writing and um, on the podcast. Here, I was sitting here at my at my uh, dining room table, which is you know world headquarters of the Barnhart mega machine, <laughs> me sitting at the dining room table with my, with my laptop. Wherever and Anne I'm, and a laptop are, there is Barnhart machine. Oh, so bad. <laughs> you said that, not me. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, this, what they're doing in the media in terms of Trump and the election and all this is exactly the same as what, I and several others have been living for the past, well, you know, for me, it's four, four plus years in terms of calling out the Bergoglian anti-papacy. And let me tell you what I mean. I mean, the list goes on and on, and it's really, really striking. So in terms of the Bergoglian anti-papacy, what, what have trad ink partisans and, of course, everyone everyone in the Novus Ordo paradigm. What, what have they been saying all along? Well, and let's, let's focus especially on Trad Inc. right now. Um, it's hopeless. Give up. There's nothing you can do. Look, nothing's going to change. They, they called Bergoglio the Pope at the conclave of 2013. Um, there's nothing anyone can do about it. The College of Cardinals is a stacked. Give up, give up, give up. It's hopeless, it's hopeless, it's hopeless. What is now happening with this Trump election situation? It's hopeless. Give up. It's been called. We, the media, have called it. It's done. You're, you're tilting at windmills. This is ridiculous. It's completely hopeless. Give up. Next, um, universal peaceful acceptance. Well, the, the media says so. We, we all say so in our um, self-anointed ivory tower slash echo chambers. We have all said that, that Bergoglio is the Pope, universal peaceful acceptance, even though there isn't universal peaceful acceptance at all. And that's, that's all it is. Shut up, stupid. What are they saying about, what are the Trump people saying? Uh, what are people saying about the Trump Biden election? The media declares it's been called. It is universally peacefully accepted it's done. Shut up, stupid. It's exactly the same. Next, block dissent. 
Trad Inc. And, you know, obviously all of the Novus Ordo, you know, outlets and, and entities have been banning, editing, censoring any mention, any question of the Bergoglian anti-papacy, the canonical um, validity of Pope Benedict's um, putative resignation, totally blocking dissent, forming echo chambers, censoring everybody, and then say, and then saying, "See, look, it's unanimous. This is exactly what's going on with Facebook, Twitter, Fox News, completely gone." I mean, everybody's now, apparently everybody's switching to Newsmax and that's where they're watching the news. See, this is why I was screaming and yelling, cut the cord, cut the cord. You, you're feeding this cable television monster. You are giving money every month to people who are actively trying to destroy you. And as you now see, even Fox News was part of that. So you're, if, even if, and if you're still paying for cable and satellite, do you not understand? You're giving people who are trying to kill you and destroy civilization money every month. Why? Why? Why, Why would you pay for this? Well, to, okay. par- to paraphrase the, the uh, gladiator, you are not entertained. So why are you watching mm-hmm. Fox News? And you mentioned Newsmax. I heard that on, on No Agenda, that uh, No Agenda podcast, that, that Newsmax is the new uh, source that a lot of people are going to. And they mentioned one other one. And I'm like, what are these what are these sources? I've been looking at, uh, I've been primarily looking at news sources on, on YouTube and podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Pools is one. He's, he's actually a leftist, but he's at least recognizing that there is a lot of chicanery afoot mm-hmm. to use a more polite term. Um, there's another one I, I, I follow is um, uh, Stephen Crowder, who's also yes. kind of a foul mouth, but, but he actually is getting to the source of what's going on. And, and, uh, and, Talking about No Agenda, I've mentioned them almost every podcast for the last 12. Um, I was listening to them talk about the the issue of why the New York Post got got blocked for a while from, from Twitter. They were getting ready to, to put out a, an article on the, uh, the steering of votes that Google was doing. So in mm-hmm. other words, if you were liberal, and Google can figure this out very quickly based on your Google searches and, and your oh, activity yeah. on, the, on the web. If Google figured out that you were liberal, you constantly got the message, remember to vote, remember to vote, go vote. If you're mm-hmm. conservative, they never showed you that. Yep. And people had, had uh, documented this and, and put it put together a very um, well-researched uh, article, and this was going to be published on the, on the New York Post. And right before this was going to be published, that's when New York Post got pulled from Twitter. And the editors of the New York Post also said, we're not going to publish this article. Right up at the same time, that bias where only liberals got shown the go vote ad on Google suddenly dropped and everybody got it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's mm. slightly suspicious. Slightly suspicious. Yes. Um, it, it just, it goes on and it's obvious. It's so obvious at this point. And um, some people are saying that that's one of the master strokes, whether you, whether you credit Trump with this or, I personally credit the divine providence with this because this is obviously, you know, all truth will eventually be exposed, all corruption. It, it always does. Um, so continuing on with our list, we got a ways to go. Um, this is a good one. Trad Inc. refusing to engage the data set 
with regards to the case that Pope Benedict's um, putative resignation was canonically invalid. None of them have read. They refuse to read anything I write. They refuse to watch the videos. They refuse to read or watch anything that anyone else has done. And what they say is, no, it's stupid. I don't need to. It's ridiculous. I don't have time. No, it's a bunch. It's a bunch of garbage. Refuse to engage a data set. Now, interestingly, everybody remember not, I don't remember what day it was, but Neil Cavuto cut away from a press conference in which Trump's spokeswoman, I think, was outlining the case for the the voter fraud. And no, I don't, we don't, we're not even going to show this. And of course, we all know that Google and Twitter and, and all of these entities are actively censoring this and refuse to engage the data set. And I wrote a piece about this. There's a Muslim term for, term for this. When people rage in the face of logical, truthful argument. I, I can't even remember what the word is. I have to go back and find that. We'll put it in the show notes. But it's that that intransigent refusal to engage the data set. It's happening with regards to Pope Benedict, and it's happening now with regards to Trump, because it's all the same. Human nature is all the same. Um, needless to say, projection and gaslighting. I mean, if people didn't know what projection and gaslighting were before this election situation, oh, they do now. Being told that you are, uh, well, let's start first. Let's keep the form. Let's start with regards to Pope Benedict. Um, you're, You're crazy. You're stupid. You're a schismatic. That's projection because the trad ink people are basically patting people on the head and shoving them out the door into Eastern Orthodoxy, which is schism. But they've been yelling and screaming um, that that people who have questions about Pope Benedict's putative resignation are schismatics. They accuse people who have questions about Pope Benedict's resignation of being set of vacantists while themselves all day, every day declaring that the papacy is invalid. Um, you know, you don't, Francis, Francis has no authority. He's the Pope and he's the standard of schism, but it's completely unimportant and you don't have to pay attention. I mean, this schizophrenic, completely irrational argumentation, it's projection. Accuse your opposition of being and doing exactly what you are and what you are doing. Classic gaslighting. Obviously, you're you're crazy. You're insane. Um, you know, you're completely irrational. Da 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 da. Um, one of the trad ink partisans was recently um, said that he would be willing to put up a crowdfunding thing to have me forcibly detained and hauled in for psychiatric testing. Boy, that that doesn't ring any historical bells or anything, does it? It also. Um, it also rings bells from our Lord's words in the gospel that you will be hauled before the Sanhedrin and the people who do it will think that they're doing God a big favor for it. So it's all very edifying, actually. Now let's look at the at the Trump situation. Projection, gaslighting. What are what are they saying? They're saying Trump's trying to steal the election. Well, that's projection. I mean, it's it's obvious that this is a leftist operation. Trump is just defending himself. They're using projection. They're using gaslighting. All these people who are saying that Biden didn't win, these people are crazy. They're conspiracy theorist loons. Oh, by that, that's the other um, epithet that gets thrown with regards to people who defend Pope Benedict's papacy is um, you're you're a conspiracy theorist. You're you're a loon. Okay. 
they're doing exactly the same thing now. Anyone who questions the outcome of this not being a Biden victory is a is nuts. That's gaslighting. Um, legal arguments are irrelevant in terms of Pope Benedict's um, putative resignation. The entire thing is a legal argument. It's a juridical act. It, it pivots on canon law. That's what we're all. That's what we focus on in terms of the substantial error. In terms of the coercion. Everybody listening probably knows the arguments. Um, what what are they now doing with regards to Trump and the election? Oh, le- legal arguments are irrelevant. Legal legal arguments are irrelevant. And then kind of appealing back to the universal peaceful acceptance. Everyone says everyone says Biden won, so we won. Uh, <laughs> no, and th- throw the law and throw the rule of law out the window. Um, na- name calling. Let's just go down the list in terms of people who question um, Pope Benedict's putative resignation. Sedevacantus, schismatic, heretic, Protestant indocile, crazy conspiracy theorist. Now let's look at what they're calling people who are questioning, um, you know, Biden's putative victory in the election. Um, Seditionist, revolutionary, fascist, crazy, violent conspiracy theorist. And orange. And orange, and orange, yes. Um, Trad Inc. uh, partisans. Well, there's nothing we could do, just, just wait for the next conclave. Just all we can do is wait for the next conclave. Okay, what are what are the um, never Trumper Republicans saying? There's nothing we can do. Just wait till 2022. Just wait till 2024. You've noticed that with these with these squish Republicans, it's always it's always the same thing. It's oh, just just wait, just wait until the midterms, or just just wait till the next president. We'll we'll get. I mean, and and you just keep getting your butt kicked every single time. And it's just this this perpetual moving of that Overton window, left, 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 left. And they just keep trying to keep that money coming in and keep that fundraising going. Oh, just wait till the midterms. Just wait till the just wait till 2024. No. And that's I think that's one of the reasons that they hate Trump so much is because he just threw a wrench into all of that. And he took away a heck of a lot of fundraising for them. I want to um, jump in on something you said real quick. Mm. You mentioned the term Overton window, and I don't know if this is something, I don't know if this is a term that most people recognize, but it is It is the the scope of acceptable dialogue or, mm-hmm. or discussions. And I think it was Don Lemon or somebody on CNN was talking about how he can't even um, talk to people or he has to unfriend in real life people who don't, uh, who, who weren't going to vote for for Biden or who made made um, defenses against Trump or for Trump, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then he has to separate himself from these people. It has gotten to the point that if you are not completely in lockstep with their ideas and their way of thinking, yep. you are not even eligible to have a conversation with them to be on their platform and all the rest. Mm-hmm. Whereas it used to be the idea in the liberal sphere that all ideas are welcome. And if your idea is wrong, the way I combat that is I counter your ideas with the truth. You would look at St. Vincent Ferrer, for example. He would go preach in the synagogues and in, in the mosques in Spain to the, extent, to the extent that there still were any. And he would go confront them to their face, listen to what they have to say, and then explain to them why they're wrong. He had uh-huh. a wide open 
Overton window. In fact, to the point that there wasn't, it wasn't there. There was no window. It's, I'm here to talk to you about God's truth. And if you are not open to it, explain to me what you think is the truth. And I'll talk to you on your terms and and, and, and clue you into the reason why you need to open your window to God's truth. Anybody who has that, that window closed is somebody who is in need of conversion, honestly. And this is something where I, I've, okay, I, I'm, it's getting to the point where I mentioned the No Agenda podcast too many times on this podcast, but that that's something that uh, I, I have noticed. What is the difference between this podcast and the people I have met through that podcast and other venues? These people have no Overton window. It, it's they, they I may not agree with them on, on topics of life and religion and marijuana laws and things like that, but we are open and we're not going to be triggered by talking about what we believe in. Yeah. And yeah. you've got to be able to have that open, honest dialogue with people and, and actually be able to articulate your own beliefs. And that's one of the, mm-hmm. the casualties of the, of the Overton window is that everything gets, gets uh, shunted down to a five second sound bite because that's how much time you have before somebody closes off conversation with you. Well, that's their, their, their failure. But in the process, you also get to the point where you never can really articulate your own beliefs. And that's one of the things I've noticed in talking to people who are willing to actually listen to you, even though they don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. I was having a, having coffee with a friend not too long ago, and we were talking about the whole topic of, of abortion with regard to where, what is a life? When does life begin? And he was willing to make the, the, willing to make the uh, concession that if life was defined to begin at conception, then he would say that abortion is wrong. But he didn't agree with that. Okay, we're, we can work with this. We can work with the question of when does life begin? But if you're not even willing to have that discussion of what is what is life, what is personhood, and you simply say, no, it, it's, it's a woman's choice. It's choice, and you cannot step on my dogma. Yeah. How can you have a discussion with somebody like that? Well, exactly. And it's, I think it's a function of people being wildly insecure that they take every, I mean, just every disagreement now at this point. And I think that social media has spurred this a lot, that every disagreement is taken as a, just an intense personal attack. Oh, there's been um, so many memes in the last week about what if there was social media during the 2000 presidential campaign? What if there was social media during the civil war? What if there was social media during the the um, during the American Revolution, and the whole idea of Twitter throwing um, a, a warning label of, here's all the things that the British uh, government is doing good for us right now, onto any of your tweets suggesting that we need to break free of King George, right? The the the, the social media idiots are actually helping to cl- slam shut that that Overton window, and it really gets to the point that the people who don't know enough to defend their their thoughts just raise their volume and get more violent. Yeah. yeah. Go see. And, that, and then they, yeah, the Black biggest Ma- thug wins. Yep. Yeah. Go, go see the Antifa riots and the pallets of bricks everywhere. I, I don't see the, the Trump people with their mile-long caravans holding bricks around. Exactly. And I think with the Overton window, I think another really good... Um, illustration of the concept is um, the fact that I've said this before and listeners have probably heard this. If you took um, John F. Kennedy, Senator John F. Kennedy from 1956 and plopped him down right now in the middle of the United States Senate, he would be the furthest to the right to such an extent that he would be referred to as 
I mean, what, what's what's super duper duper far right? What do they call people super duper far right? Toxically I mean, masculine. Yeah, some, something like that. He would be so far to the right that even who, who, who could we say is the most quote unquote conservative, although those labels are just falling apart. Well, I don't know. Barry Goldwater's dead. Yeah, Barry Goldwater. I mean, he he would be he would be so far to the right that he would probably be he would be impeached and drummed out. He would be that intolerable to to Republicans. Okay, that is the shifting of the Overton window over the last seventy years. Well, okay, and there, you, there's it, a slightly different thing there. the The Overton window is the acceptable dialogue that you can have with somebody, mm. but in terms of the what what is acceptable in terms of culture, and this is something that uh, I think Andrew Breitbart was a big proponent of of saying is is that politics is downstream of culture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if we're having these arguments right now in politics, it's because the culture has already decided it. And that's honestly one of the reasons why I don't have a lot of hope for us at the moment, because I mean, we dodged a bullet with Hillary in 2016. And by the way, who is more mad at the world that they didn't help help her cheat in 2016 like they are for Biden in 2020 than Hillary is? Um, probably because the people there weren't were more afraid of, of failing to, to cheat and so they didn't try because they knew they'd be part no, of I think they were just wi- I think they were just wildly overconfident I thought that they th- I think that they thought that she was gonna win especially against Trump in something um, approaching you know Reagan's victory over over Mondale in 84 they they were so overconfident that I think they just I think they just phoned it in and they just coasted it home for the last however many months of that election cycle. And they, I think they were caught by surprise. They, they thought they had it so in the bag they didn't have to cheat? Yep. That's certainly believable. But where yep. I was going with this is the whole idea of politics being downstream from culture. Mm-hmm. You look at our culture and where we are right now. I mean, I, I know several priests who have said if, if God doesn't give us a chastisement soon, he's going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Oh, yeah. And it's not like we've converted in the last five to ten years. So if... if if we didn't, you know, if Trump isn't doesn't win through lawfare and and uh, the courts, then it, then we kind of have it coming. And if it's not this yeah, year, yeah. then it's going to be AOC in twenty twenty four or something even worse. It's it's well, inevitable that this is going to happen. And you know, yeah, twenty twenty nine is coming soon, and the hundred years warning that Our Lady at Fatima gave is is coming due soon. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're, we're already so far along in the process. And I think people, it really, it's amazing to me that people don't appreciate in the moment, in real time, how serious this is. Um, the economic destruction is just unbelievable. And I, I don't know. I think people, is it normalcy bias? Is it um, just kind of going into denial and not wanting to deal with with what is objectively happening to you? I see people around me every day who just really don't seem to get the severity of this, and that. And I th- I think a, another thing is that people think that it's local. I don't think people understand that this is the entire Christian West that this is going on with. It isn't just, you know, your your city. It isn't just, you know, XYZ USA. This is happening pretty much everywhere. Everyone is running around wearing a veil. Everyone. People are are locked under martial law in their homes 
all over the world. The big exception to this is, wait for it, wait for it. Sweden? China. Oh. <laughs> if you look, look, look at the, look at the reportage coming out of China. Oh, they're going to soccer matches, packing seventy thousand person stadiums. Nobody wearing a mask. Hmm. Interesting. It, it's it's almost as if they know that there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. And in terms of lockdown happening all over the, the world, it, it's happening. I think New York and New Jersey are going to lock down or they already have or they're going to in the next couple of days. And Chicago. It's just, it, it's just a matter of rolling it. Rolling, I think California pretty much is locked down again. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be nationwide here in a minute. Just just wait, and it's it's going to happen again. And, and, you, and you mentioned you mentioned uh, the economic impacts of it. One of the one of the YouTube channels I came across recently, and, and it's one of my new favorite channels. It's a guy who does um, you know component level repair on circuit boards and computers, and he's he's based in New York City, and uh, he he has a lot of videos on his channel about you know the real estate market and the business environment in New York City and New Jersey. Wait a minute. I'm going to freak out if I know who this is. Is it a guy named Lewis Rossman who has a cat? Yes. That Those cat videos are the best cat videos on, on YouTube. I guarantee you I did not come across that channel for the same reasons you did. Mr. Clinton, what is your opinion of Eli the computer guy? Meow. Mr. Clinton, what is your opinion of... <laughs> I didn't see that video. I, I, what, what caught my attention is I was I was looking to do some kind of component repair on my Bose headphones, actually, mm. and came across something where the, this guy was or something. I forget what I, how I found this exactly, but it's it's why he never wants to deal with Apple hardware again. Yes, yes. And, and uh, there is uh, I forget which exact model. Um, I don't know if it's my MacBook Pro or the the or the previous version, but. Somewhere along the line, there there's a five dollar chip inside your MacBook Pro it's, it, that that controls the the charging system. So when you plug in your your USB C charger, it goes through this chip to determine whether or not you're going to get five volts or twelve volts or twenty volts and how it charges the batteries and all the rest. It's a five dollar chip, uh-huh. and he used to be able to buy these chips for five bucks straight from Hong Kong or Taipei or wherever. But now Apple has switched to a different chip, which is slightly different. And all the difference is that you can't use the old chips in the new hardware. And Apple contractually has bound this the, the maker of the chips from forbidding. They, they cannot sell to any anybody other than an Apple authorized service provider. And they involve ICE, Integration, integrations and, or Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, if they find that somebody placed an order for these chips to be imported to the U.S., they'll have ICE agents intercept that at uh, the customs point. <laughs> and so, he's he's taken this to court, has he not? Is this the thing that he's taken to court? Uh, well, no. The, what he's taken to, well, not court, but he's taken to um, to pre- to present and, and argue in front of state con- state congresses is the right to repair. And so they, mm-hmm. in, in this last election, one of the few bright things that happened, and aside from the fact that the Republicans looked like they're going to keep control of the Senate and they have almost a majority now in the House, so no blue wave, but it's, it's quite the opposite, is that Massachusetts passed a right to repair law, but that was for vehicles, for cars. 
And the 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 counter ads to this, which were well funded, were all about people being able to track your car and and break into your to your uh, house. And if they are violent predators or or domestic abusers, they're going to be able to track you down and all this other stuff. I was like, what does this have to do with right to repair? Now that's the first step, and then eventually, if the first state that that gives right to repair on computers, this is going to go nationwide. It just means that, let's say, for the sake of example, if, if Massachusetts ends up being the first state that requires Apple to say you have to be able to sell these charge controller chips to independent third-party repair shops, well, then Lewis Rossman moves to Massachusetts, and I send my Mac to him in Massachusetts to fix, mm-hmm. and then it ends up rippling from there on out. Um, where were we going at this? The whole idea that something or other, blah blah. I forgot where I was going with this. Well, I mean, his channel, and we'll, this is the, this is going to be the funniest, uh, one of the funnier, most more random links oh, the, we've the, ever the had. Lo- the lockdown and in, in, in the the effect on business, because he's talking about he had he had a video on there in the last week talking about just businesses in New York City, yeah. restaurants and businesses. The majority of them were on the edge of going under before yep. the lockdown, and and now. The question yeah. of how much is commercial real estate actually worth has it, it, it's a it's an actionable argument to say that instead of charging or paying fifteen thousand dollars a month of stay. rent yeah. uh, for something because what you're buying for these commercial real estates is access to people walking down the street mm-hmm. and and the foot traffic and when that foot traffic goes away I don't have to pay you because now it's a it's a breach of contract we, I don't have access to people anymore. But he's, yeah, it's it's a fascinating and a very true argument. And he's doing really, really good. He jumps on his bicycle and, you know, he's got his little phone on and, and he does um, man on the street videos just showing Manhattan and showing what's going on. The last one I saw, um, he was on his bike and, you know, they're doing the outdoor dining. I think they might have, I think. Um, New York City has now since then been completely locked down. I don't even know if they're doing outdoor dining anymore, but he just made the point and I've made it too about what a complete joke this is because all the restaurants have built, um, what do you call them? Those, you know, the tent, the outdoor eating spaces. None of it was there before. They've all scrambled and they've bought um, outdoor tent things and everybody's sitting outside inside these plastic tents and it's exactly the same, except they're just sitting out on the sidewalk in a tent instead of sitting inside. And he's just looking at this and saying, this is this is madness. And I don't know where he stands on, on whether he thinks that there actually is some sort of a pandemic or anything, but he's making the point, and he's 100% correct, that... This is this is completely irrational. What we think we think that there's some magic barrier, and yes, that's exactly what it is. As, as we've discussed, COVIDism is a religion. It has an entire witchcraft mentality to it. Um, if you if you're sitting down at a table outside at a restaurant, then there's some magic witchcraft barrier that's around you. Um, If you put a filthy piece of cloth over your face and wear it as a veil, then you're magically protected by some witchcraft force field. And, you know, thank God more and more and more people are cottoning to this and just seeing how utterly irrational it is. And uh, hopefully, I think more and more people are seeing that um, there are no mountains of dead bodies hospitals are all sitting empty nobody's had the flu miraculously statistically yes, I've, speaking i've pointed yeah. this out to some people you know, recently i'm i've i've not gone out of my way to preach anti-covid to, to most people but i 
just today I was talking to somebody and said, have you, do you know anybody who has had the flu this year? And they stopped to think about this. It's like, no, mm. <laughs> mm. just plant the seed. I'll come back and visit that later. But do it. Talk, talk about Lewis. That is so funny that, that you're familiar with Lewis Rossman, probably for completely different reasons than I am. It's the but cat video. I, <laughs> I, I get the impression that he's, he's looking to move out of the New York, New Jersey area, probably someplace between Indianapolis, Louisville and Memphis. Because that's where, Good for him. well, the the reason that I say that that particular area, that 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 junction is because that's where UPS and FedEx have central uh, sort facilities. So if, mm-hmm. if people are mailing mm-hmm. things in, and that's why his business hasn't gone under, is he's gotten enough of a name. Uh, one of the videos I think I, I may have found him through this one. It was a CBC video where somebody takes a MacBook Pro to the Apple store. And not only do they not fix it, but they actually break it more. They bring it to this guy, Lewis Rossman, and he identifies exactly what they what they what they broke. The Mac store said they wanted to charge fifteen hundred to twenty two hundred dollars to repair this. He bends one pin back down, plugs it back in, and says, "If you want me to replace the actual video cable, it's one fifty. But you honestly don't need it. It's free. Go on." Oh man. Such a racket. Yeah. And so it, good it, for him. Team it, Lewis Rossman. Team well, Lewis Rossman. And, yes. And the, more, the more I watch those videos, the more the more uh, confidence I get. It's like, hey, I could I might be able to do some electronics repair too. So I actually took apart my Bose headphones to try to figure out how to fix the the uh, slides, which was just broken. There's there's a common fix to it, or there, there's a common problem that can be fixed. And I found out that mine actually is slightly different, so I can't fix it. But that's beside the point. It's like I never would have taken the thing apart had I not seen that. So I'm actually getting a little more confidence. Like, hey, maybe I'll start taking more things apart. And and talking about one last thing about Lewis Rossman. So mm. one of the videos he, he slams on Apple constantly, but one of the other videos he has is he has a, a Lenovo P50, which actually is sitting on my desk here. Not not the one in his video, but right, he, right. he takes a, a Lenovo P50 and dumps like a half a liter of water on the keyboard while it's running under heavy strain. You know, some <gasps> some some um, some uh, emphasis. I mean, he's he's just saying we'll see what happens, and it just like shakes it off like no big deal and, and, he, and he takes it apart. And of course, of course, as soon as he does this, then then he waits 30 seconds, a minute or whatnot. And then he douses it in alcohol to try to displace all the, all the water just in case, you know, there's, there's lingering effects from it. And as he takes the thing apart and you look at it, there are drain holes for water in the, in the body of, of the Lenovo P50. And it's like, man, I've always liked this laptop. It's heavy and it's a beast, but man, this thing can, can last and I can put three hard drives in it and I can service my own Ram. And like the, darn macbook pros so that's just another thing and i and i sprinkled my um macbook air with a little bit of kombucha and it was lights out baby man that's so wrong it's so do you think these apple keyboards are just self are are built to be sabotaged so that i mean if you have a if you sneeze if you have a good wet sneeze all over them they they short out like a covid sneeze yeah at you i don't know I don't know if the, I don't, that that might actually be the kind of virus that could put a Mac down. Oh, hey. <laughs> All right. Where well, are we time for, for, for me, computer wise, the only reason I'm running a Mac at the moment is because I'm using audio hijack and that's how I'm, I'm recording the podcast right now. Yes. But I do have the goal in the next couple of months to get back off of that back onto Windows and using whether it's a whether it's Adobe Premiere or using um, something else to record. I've, I've got a pretty decent USB interface, so I hope to get back off of Mac before long. And honestly, when that thing, well, as long as you don't sprinkle anything on, on that that MacBook, it should be fine for a while. But yeah. if and when you kill it, I won't get a Lenovo over to you so that 
that uh, you have something that will last for a while. And by Just the way, don't that reminds me. Don't install coupon programs on it, darn it. Okay, Holly, I promise. I should, um, it reminds me that I should once again thank the listener reader who donated, he's, he's another tech nerd, if I'm not mistaken, who donated this um, MacBook that I currently have. It was, it was an absolutely incredible thing for him to do. And, and thank you so much, sir. God bless you. I, I think about you a lot as I sit here at this, at this very nice laptop that you just gave to me out of the, out of the kindness of your heart. So thank you, sir. Well, you should make a daily prayer that with every keystroke you, 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 you uh, push as you're writing in your blog to try to reach other people that a prayer will be said on his behalf. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Done. I don't have a next topic. <laughs> Do no. we talk about the, we talked about the elections. Um, uh, I didn't oh, really, McCarrick. We haven't talked about the McCarrick report. There's news. <laughs> I really haven't um, I really haven't been paying attention. Okay, so so in case people have been wondering, we didn't record last week because for my work I was on production on call from Tuesday at 8 a.m. through this last Tuesday at 8 a.m. So there was from Tuesday to Tuesday I could not record. I had to be uh, on call to answer anything within 30 seconds. Ish. Wow. So wow. the the idea of recording a podcast would have been out the window. Yeah. And I see as we're recording right now, the guy who's on call right now is answering stuff. So it, it's, uh. it's, it should not be this active and kinetic, but it is this Friday. And um, it, it's actually something that was going on last week as well. So, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll deal with that. The point is that uh, the, the gap in the podcast, I wanted to record last Monday, but it fell through. So it's on me and my work schedule. I couldn't record in the last... Uh, the last week. So McCarrick, I have not been looking at this. I've been studying AWS trying to get a certification. So tell me about this. Oh, they, they released the report. It's a complete whitewash and uh, try to frame and blame. Guess who? Archbishop Vigano. Oh, it's all his fault. It's all his fault. You know, of course, going back to what we were talking about, about projection and all of this, um, they're accusing Archbishop Vigano, who was basically one of the only people who was trying, who was standing up and trying to d say or do anything about this. Um, um, they're trying to cast him as the villain and all this, and he covered it up and blah, blah, blah. It's abject nonsense. And he's coming out and he's defending himself. And one of the things he said is, um, guys, no one tried to contact me and my email address is still 100% functional. And really, of course you can get in contact. If, if, if the Vatican wanted to get in contact with Archbishop Vigano, first his, his email address still works. Number two, you see all the Vaticanistas that he's in contact with. You, you could send a message through. I mean, he's, he's in contact with a lot of people. He's in, he's in contact with um, Edward Penton. He's in contact with Diane Montagna. He's in contact with all kinds of Italian Vaticanistas and, and so on and so forth. Can, this can is, we get him on the podcast? Um, probably not, although it wouldn't surprise me if he might be listening. Um, so... Um, the, Email the, at supernerdmedia.com, Archbishop. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> sorry, I have to have a little giggle moment here to myself. Um, and so it's it's a complete whitewash. And the, the, the only thing I want to say about McCarrick is that everybody knew. Don't believe for a second that this is news or a revelation. 
everybody knew that McCarrick was a sodomite and that McCarrick was absolutely notorious for chasing um, lads and men. Everyone knew this. I knew it. I, I mean... If this was common knowledge. So all these people who are coming out saying, I'm just so shocked. You know, I, can I vent? Um, That's your one podcast, of the people, go ahead. It's my podcast, yeah. One of the people who put out one of these absolutely nauseating tweets saying, oh, I just read the McCarrick report and I just, I just, I'm so shocked and dismayed and I just don't know what to think. And oh, blah, blah. You, know who's, you know who had the unmitigated gall? To, to do this, to say this, Liz Lev. Okay, this woman, sh oh, shocked and dismayed by sexual impropriety within the church. This woman was screwing a priest for 15 years openly, openly had a child with a priest, carried on just, you know, rubbing everybody's face in it. Um, and Oh, by the way, she's also the biggest fag hag in Rome, runs in a, in a circle of sodomites. All they do is sit around and gossip. And and she's loves to go and hang out and and um, be feted at the North American College, which is like one of McCarrick's prime hunting grounds. He would go to the knack and ensconce himself there and um chase seminarians and chase chase young priests and you know at the knack there's always a population of sodomites at the knack and he would have varying degrees of success i mean it was it was well known that mccarrick was carrying on with young guys especially at the knack but everyone knew what he was guys when you read anybody who's trying to play mccarrick off as if they didn't know everyone knew Everyone knew. Everyone knew. People are lying. They're they're lying through their teeth. This is absolutely endemic. Whenever you get a case of some priest being exposed as having done X, Y, or Z, whether it's with women, men, or boys, I can tell you that there are going to be people who were around the situation who knew. I mean, I could rattle off names of crap that's going on in Rome, um, bishops who are sexually assaulting young priests in Rome. Everybody knows, everybody knows, everybody knows. This blind eye turning garbage, it is everywhere, everywhere. There's, there's hardly, there's, there's just not very many of these people who are successfully hiding what they are. In fact, a lot of them are fairly open about it. It's just this whole code of silence. Don't rock the boat. Um, you know, the sodomites obviously cover for each other. It's the, the word is it's um, originally applied to the mafia, the mafia mafia, and it's called omerta, O-M-E-R-T-A with an accent over the A, omerta. And what that, what that is, is it's the code of silence within the mafia, like the Italian mafia, but it's exactly the same thing with the lavender mafia, with all these sodomites. Everybody knows, nobody says anything, even, even amongst um, people who are on the, you know, the so-called so quote-unquote right and the so-called quote-unquote left, they keep their mouth shut and they, up until now, largely, they keep their mouth shut and they don't expose each other because you have to understand for sodomites, sodomy is the top priority. 
it's it's you protect the sodomy and you protect all of that and then whatever whatever team or clique you have associated yourself with and it's usually because of you know money power um someone will go either to the right or to the left because they fall in with some um moneyed powerful click and they say okay this would benefit me for me to go to the right whereas they could just have just as easily gone to the left because they don't believe in any of it anyway the priority is the sodomy but you got you know you got to get on a team that's what that's how people operate people want to be on a team and so don't believe for a second any of these people who are sitting around saying well i didn't know everybody knew what McCarrick was. Everyone knows that Donald Worrell is a raging sodomite. Everybody knows that that Tobin's a raging sodomite. Everybody knows that Farrell's a raging sodomite. On and on and on. Everybody knows this. These are all open secrets. And then it, on the parish level, most of these gay priests, I mean, people, people tend to know I mean, if, if father, if, if father goes on um, vacation every year with one of his confreres in, in South Beach, Miami, um, little bit of a red flag there, little bit of a red flag. Don't do that. Everybody, you know, people know these things. People see these things. People, I mean, the interesting thing for me in all this is what's gossip and what is the necessary dissemination of information in order to protect lads, in order to protect young men in, in a parish. I mean, if you have information that that priest is a is a predator, is it, it does it fall under the category of gossip to be saying, "Look, you've got to get that guy out of here and warn these boys and you." Tell, and you know, talk about this. What that's that's the weird thing is that they're trying to um, it, oh, trying to convince us that just trying to defend ourselves with the truth is this completely impossible, inadmissible sin of of uh, gossip and detraction and all of this. That's why Bergoglio is constantly going on about gossip. He's trying to shut people up. He's trying to shut people up who know, who have seen this, who have information, who can who can whistleblow, who can warn others and protect protect young men and lads. And he wants to try to guilt everybody into thinking you can't say anything exactly the same way as he keeps ra- railing about how war is completely morally inadmissible. That's false. There are times when war, just war of self-defense is is obligatory. That he's trying to because he is an agent of this um, new world order um, COVIDism religion, and he's obviously the head of the anti church. He is trying to convince everybody that it is morally impossible and inadmissible to use his his uh, word. It is morally impossible and inadmissible for you to fight back against this. And guys, I hate to break this to you. We've said this many times, though. The only way out of this is going to be through force of arms. This, uh, barring supernatural intervention, this is not this COVIDism, New World Order religion. This is not going to self-resolve. Well, in, this is probably a good time to point out also that just because you tell something about somebody else, which is bad, which is true, that does not mean it's detraction. 
if it if not doing so would lead to destruction or damage yeah whether whether it's spiritual moral physical etc um that's probably a pretty good uh guideline in fact i will let me take a note to write down detraction and the guidelines for that um because the like, qualifier in the catechism is is you you reveal the sins of others unnecessarily isn't that isn't that the distinction that's made in the catechism right with detraction if, if there's no if no good can come from revealing it then then you don't do it and and i try to teach my own kids this you know that kids will tattle on each other because they don't like some you know petty injustice that's happening mm-hmm. and when they come on you know knock on my office door and come in and say they start tattling on johnny it was like stop 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 is it dangerous or destructive no okay go away <laughs> <laughs> those are the oh, rules that's good that's unless good. It, unless they're doing something dangerous or they're about to destroy things and there's some liberal you know latitude that can be taken for destroying things i mean i don't want mm-hmm. to pay for new stuff all the time but um if if that's if, if they're doing one or the other then yes you may tell on your siblings if and if it's ends up not being damaging or destructing then i'm going to instruct them on that that it's not that and then send them on their way but if they admit right up front no it's not they're just annoying them it's like go do something else yeah <laughs> and i mean i i'm not i'm not insensitive to my children but i do need to teach them that they can't just you know call to mom and dad every time they don't get their way you know life's not fair and, and right. if you don't learn this at home you're gonna get a rude awakening snowflake when you leave the home mm-hmm. exactly so detraction is um telling revealing the sins of others unnecessarily and a lot of people are still fuzzy on these terms calumny is just making stuff up that's making up lies about people and boy talk about it Talk about a grave sin. Woo! That's called Russiagate. That's what the press does all the time against Republicans. Yep. Yep. Just full-blown calumny. Not that Republicans are inherently good. It's just that's what they do. Yep. And, you know, it's it's the classic Luciferian uh, plot, and w- which is echoed by Alinsky, is use, use their set of rules against them. And so... If we're willing to concede that, generally speaking, people who tend to be more towards the right on the spectrum tend to be more honest, probably because they're more religious on average, and have you know functioning consciences that that hold them back from you know if I have absolutely no desire to tell any lies about Hunter Biden or or anybody else. I have no desire to tell any lies about anyone. I mean that's. That's insane. That's crazy. Uh, there's and there's plenty of truth to discuss. So, um, you, well, you okay. Don't... So let's let's talk about for a brief minute the difference between lying and mental reservation. Something as Ooh, as we yeah. get closer to um, uh, getting into the COVID craziness, uh, lockdown 2.0 or 1.5 or whatever we're up to at this point in time. I one of the one of the podcasts I listen to. It's it's more aimed at privacy and security and not putting garbage applications on your phone if you don't have to. But apparently a lot of restaurants now, if you want service at, at the restaurant, um, you have to scan a QR code and put the app on your phone and order through your phone and then get and have your food, your food sent to you. Now, there are a couple of ways to, to get around this. You can either, you know, take, you know, a, a flip phone, which I have 
two of them and one of them actually works. I, uh, I, I could also say pull out a phone that um, it has a shattered screen, say I can't use this for your screen. Or I could also say I'm visually impaired and I can't do this on my phone. Now let's parse the, the let's diagram that sentence for a minute. I am visually impaired. I don't have 20-20 vision. This is a true statement. Mm-hmm. Let's set aside for a second what is correctable. And I can't do this on my phone. I can't do it on my phone because I don't believe in your BS applications invading my privacy. But that's not what I said. And that's called that's called mental reservation. I didn't exactly lie to you, but I did mislead you. And it's yeah. not for it's not for a malicious reason. I don't it's, want you invading my privacy. It's the old Jews in the basement um, conundrum. And yeah, the Nazis yet, knock on the door and, yeah. and, and the person says, there are no Jews here. Yeah. I'm here <laughs> standing at the door. There are no Jews here. Mm-hmm. There's, there's 15 of them down in the, down in the crawl space, but you know, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's something that I have used, but I, I don't like it because it's one of those things that you're dancing a razor's edge and it's really easy when you're engaging in mental reservation to tip off the side and go into a lie and that's i can't remember it happened to me a few a few years ago but it's been within the last 4 years that i was engaging in mental reservation and it progressed to the point where I fell off the razor's, razor's edge and I told it, I told a lie. And of course, you know, you go to confession and you confess this, but it's, it's real. it's a dangerous game to play. It's not, it's not any sort of a way to live your life. It's, it's best to just be honest. The other thing about it that I don't like is that there's another term that's called being Jesu- Jesuitical. And that's like taking reservation. In my opinion, what when the the Jesuits or or what's running around masquer- masquerading as the Jesuits, what th- what they're doing, oftentimes is I think it crosses the line into full blown violations of the Eighth Commandment. Um, and you know, obviously, Jesuits, modern Jesuits. Um, so the whole oh, you're being Jesuitical. And I've known people who who are Jesuitical and who engage in that sort of behavior, and it's obvious that they do it because they think they're being smart and they think that they're being cute and they think that they're proving how intellectually superior they are to other people by by engaging in this. And look how smart I am, and I can I can completely turn you around just by j- being Jesuitical. Remember the words of our Lord: Let your yes be yes and your no no. Anything else above and beyond that is evil. Just strive to be as honest as you can. Um, I think one of the more, if you want to call it, one of the more dishonest things, and I think I I mentioned this on the last podcast, is I bought an e-cigarette because I don't wear the mask. And so it's getting getting progressively more um, Nazistic in terms of the mask. But as I'm out walking the streets, I always have this e-cigarette in my hand. And if I see cops, I'll take, I'll take a puff or two puffs on my e-cigarette because, you know, they won't bother you if you're smoking, apparently. Do I smoke? No. Do I want anything to do with this stupid, disgusting thing? No, it's gross. Do I enjoy using it? No, absolutely not. But 
I bought one and I do take puffs on it if I see cops just because I'm I'm not going to wear the mask. And so and I fully realize that my days are probably numbered and where this is ultimately going with the mask is there there will be shoot on site orders given probably by occupying forces mercenaries will have orders because I doubt that you know American even American enlisted men will be willing to um shoot fellow Americans just for not wearing a mask but the Chinese will. Um and no, no, no. In don't your- don't underestimate Americans and yeah. what they will do to turn on each other. That, that's and, that's and, a good and point. And darn it, I was I was hoping to get to a point where I could I could uh, wrap up with some uh, some happy news. And and yes, you did you did stress an, uh, a, a definite point that I wanted to say is that yes, mental reservation is something to keep in your arsenal if you absolutely need it. But it's not something to to lean on because, like you said, it gets really easy to then yep. start lying, and that's that that goes over the line. It ain't a lifestyle, yeah. Mental reservation, unless you're a lawyer and you can actually do this and you're professionally qualified to do it, and even then it's kind of dangerous. Um, You probably don't want to make a a habit of it. Now, (laughs) I did did tweet that uh, we're recording right now and I didn't get my uh, happy news for the the end of the podcast. And somebody just replied with, same happy news since 33 AD. It was was a photo of of, uh, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So that is actually good. Yes, we we all have been bathed in 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 the blood of Jesus. We all have the opportunity to have our sins forgiven we all have the opportunity to go to heaven and um that's definitely christ is risen yep christ is risen we don't say that enough christ is risen yes (laughs) indeed he is indeed he is all right you want to wrap it up my friend sure i gotta find the tab where i have my notes (laughs) okay the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or good happy news items for wrapping up the podcast is mm. podcast at barnhart.biz. And if you have top secret email that you want to send me that has to be secure and encrypted and all that fun stuff, email at supernerdmedia.com and I will set up an encrypted channel and you can send me whatever it is you need to send. And expresses her profound gratitude to her benefactors at least one mass every single day plus one traditional Catholic Latin Requiem mass for everybody who died the previous week, mm-hmm. regardless of whether it was from flu or anything else. Mm. Uh, please take a moment to, to pray for these priests. I mean, I say this every single time, but you know, mm-hmm. it, they're they're I got, I got some emails in the last week or two from talking about uh, priests. One of the I think we talked about this too on the podcast that one of the attacks that's happening now against traditional priests because they or these are non-SSPX traditional priests, obviously, that um, who who rely on, on a local ordinary for their faculties and everything. Somebody will contact the diocese and say, "I just tested COVID, tested positive for COVID, and I was uh, hanging out with Father Jones and Father Smith over at the Fraternity of Saint Peter or Institute of Christ the King, and uh, they need to be quarantined. And these priests will be taken out of circulation for two weeks. Yep, because they have to quarantine. So this is this is a, I think, not so subtle attack." On the, on the priesthood and the sacraments. Of course. Um, please pray for the priests. We've got so many attacks coming. And somebody, like like the email I mentioned earlier, how are we going to contact the priest when everything goes underground? I don't know. Get your, get your Start building your human contacts first for now, mm-hmm. but um, it's going to get real perhaps sooner than we think. Um, talk to people. You know, hum, human They're network. trying to keep people physically isolated for a reason. I mean, duh. They, they want to keep you from having any contact basically with anyone else, especially face to face. So just do the opposite of what, of what the deep state and what the enemy is trying to do. If they want to keep you away from having personal contact, you need to make, that means it's really important that you make personal contact right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this podcast or in previous episodes and would like to return some value, or you just want to find out the answer to what is Super Nerd Media, that's my note from last time. I should take that out. Please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn more and donate and find out how to, how to make contact. And I want to recognize a few donors since the last time uh, we had a podcast via the Postal Service. Thank you to Richard, Charles, Stephen, and Marilyn. And via the internet, uh, people found the PayPal button is, is up and working again. William, Catherine, and David. And nobody still has donated via Bitcoin, and that's a good thing. So don't yeah, don't break yeah. your back trying to figure that one out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I talked about top secret communications already. So it's to you for Matthew 1720. All right. Our fourfold intention, guys, don't stop. Um that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only Vicar of Christ since April of 2005, um, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, because he's clearly not even Catholic, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, we're not rooting for anybody's death, and um, someday achieve the beatific vision. And likewise for Pope Benedict, that he repent of whatever he might need to repent of, as we're all human, we all have things to repent of, that he um, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. If you're gonna if you're gonna make a petition, you gotta go for everything, not just half measures or anything like that. Get this situation in the earthly sense, completely resolved, the papacy defended, and get both of these men into heaven somehow, some way. Our Lady, undoer of knots, pray for us. Indeed. And uh, in the name of St. Josephat and the other saints coming up on the calendar, until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. God bless.